This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Today we're talking to an amazing gentleman. We're talking all about diversity. We're talking about all about inclusion, mental health, loads of stuff. Let's jump into the intro and tell you some more about it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent. What's up peeps, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebounding Safety does exactly what it says on the team. We're here to change the perception of health and safety. You do that right here on the YouTube channel and podcast. So if you're new here, hit subscribe, follow, whatever it is on whatever platform you are listening or watching us on. Today, we are talking to an amazing gentleman called Luke Cogon. I'm not going to tell you too much about Luke because he's going to introduce himself in a minute, but um, we talk all about kind of him and his experience in work uh, from a diversity and inclusion and accessibility point of view. And then we also start to talk about his work within mental health as well. But I wanted to kind of just mention really quickly um, that you might have noticed that the diversity miniseries kind of fizzled out a little bit. Like there wasn't really a big grand ending of it. Well, there's a reason for that. We had a few things booked in slash arranged but not quite fully booked in yet that were were tight it was tightly coupled people it didn't have a lot of capacity to fail and then pretty much all of those just just didn't go ahead um there looks like they're still gonna go ahead but it was just uh, timing like that person was busy and this person was busy and then we just had to keep rebooking with this person and that person and it just kind of fell to a point where we were supposed to put out a diversity mini series the next day and we we had nothing um so it kind of fizzled out but which is a shame because it it doesn't do the topic justice um so it, it hasn't fizzled out except we are doing we are not doing them as formally as what we did do. So we're still kind of doing the mini-series, but it's not really a formal mini-series anymore. So today is 100% a diversity conversation. We were talking about that with Luke. Um, and then we've got another one or two coming up as well from different perspectives, different bits of specialisms within the industry and so on and so forth. Um, so did it fizzle out? Kind of, yeah. If I'm my own worst critic, I suppose, it did kind of fizzle out a bit. Um, did it, you know, was that fair on the topic? Probably not, but it wasn't intentional. We didn't have a lot of capacity to fail. It all failed. And that's how it is. So apologies for that. I hope no one's really that gutted, um, but ultimately we will continue with the very important message of trying to increase diversity and awareness and utilization of diverse diversity and inclusion within the safety uh, profession and also the work that we do within safety within our organizations. So without further ado, let's do some quick shout outs and then we'll get into the conversation with Luke. So thank you very much, Paradigm Human Performance for sponsoring this podcast. You all know who Paradigm are by now. We've been shouting them out for a year and if you haven't checked them out already, then well, more for you. 
go check out their website, go check out their um, their learning organization webinar, which runs every other week, I believe now. And they're doing loads and loads of stuff. Um, but ultimately, they are hop specialists. So if you are looking for um, specifically looking for human organizational performance within your workplace, then they are 100% the place to go. They are total experts in that topic and that solution and putting it into companies that are absolutely huge doing phenomenal stuff and they are doing phenomenal stuff and they're a great team as well so um, go check them out um, website in the description email in the description phone number in the description don't forget to check out learning organization webinar it's a great resource thank you very much paradigm for sponsoring Rebound and Safety YouTube channel and podcast. Don't forget to check out Project Miletium. Um, so kind of not an official sponsor, but definitely um, something that I'm really kind of want to shout from the rooftops about. Uh, me and Colin put Project Miletium together a long time ago. Um, where it's essentially a mastermind community for safety professionals. So website for that's in the description as well. If you're looking for some serious professional development, if you're looking to really kind of explore um, and challenge yourself and your own practices and improve and your own uh, philosophies and so on, then that's the place to be. If you're looking to help people, that's the place to be. If you're looking to get help, then that's the place to be. It literally is just, like, I, I can't say how good it is. You just got to do it. And we're running a month free right now. So why not? Just go and do it, do it for a month and then and then cancel it before it, before it takes a payment out. You get the first month free. Um, trust me. If you like this podcast, you will like Project Millennium. It's epic. And that's, I suppose anyone that starts a company says that, but it genuinely is epic. Like, not as the company owner, just as a member of it myself. I love it. Like, it's the best. I look forward to the cause. Uh, yeah. There you go. Join for a month. Try it. Trust me, you'll love it. If you don't love it, tell me why you didn't love it, and we will listen to that, and we might learn from it. Don't forget, we are now consulting. So if you want to work with us, you can work with us. We do loads of stuff, but ultimately we split our organization into two types of stuff, technical work and transformational work. So ultimately they're not separate things. They're not mutually exclusive, but you know, we like to split things into groups around here in our profession and customers seem to think that way. So ultimately we are an operational risk consultant. That's what we call ourselves. But essentially what that means is is safety, trans technical and transformational services. Go check out riskfluentlimited.com website in the description below that's enough for the shout outs i hope you enjoy this epic conversation with an epic gentleman mr luke cockon hi luke welcome to the podcast mate hi james thank you for having me that's all right mate thank you for coming on thank you very much for coming on how's how you did you have a good christmas first let's let's start there because what are we 15th of jam when we recorded this did you have a good christmas uh, yeah, Christmas was alright. It was a bit, a bit of a different one because at the beginning of 2021, I lost my mum to pancreatic cancer, so it was a bit of a different Christmas. But it was. Oh, good. Yeah, sorry, you did mention that. Sorry, yeah. yeah. How about you? How was our Christmas? It was alright. I kept my favourite Christmas is just like me, my wife, and my daughter. Really, so. Um, we just kept it nice and quiet, had some in-laws and, and parents around and that was it really. Didn't do anything and then sat around eating, drinking and watching telly. Um, that was pretty much all we did. Yeah. Which is literally like my favourite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that's about us. We just went to my sister's for Christmas dinner 
Uh, chilled air for a bit, had good food, good times, good memories. Mm, nice. Awesome. Awesome. Right. In case people don't know who you are, mate, do you want to introduce yourself um, and kind of just give us a, a little overview of who Luke Cogon is and, and kind of what you do? Yeah, just I'll introduce myself. My, na- my name is Luke Cogon. I'm 31 years old, currently live in South Yorkshire, not far from Doncaster. I currently work for a large uh, UK-based engineering company called NG Fabricom. And I'm a regional HSC advisor for them. So I cover sites in the Humberside and the Northeast area. Okay. Okay. Cool. And I also just want to add for the benefit of the listeners and the viewers, but I have a physical condition called arthrogryposis, which was born with, mm-hmm. and it affects the joints and tendons in my arms and hands. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. And, and I think that's, that's kind of good context to give because I think we, we want to have a conversation around how how kind of it's challenging the right word, how, how you know, that how kind of challenging that is and how uh, hopefully, hopefully I'd like to say how welcoming safety as a career has been within that. But I'm interested to to kind of see like how have you found a career in safety um, with, you know, dealing with that disability but ultimately how, how did you come into safety in, in your career how did did you stumble across it did you do anything before uh, well I started out in the industry started out working at P66 Sumber Refinery in 2011 didn't have no qualifications and prior experience in the industry got a bit of help getting into the industry Started out doing a bit of curry and QC, worked my way up. Uh, 2014, I started getting into lifting operations as an appointed person. And then 2018, there was a major project on one of the, on the site, and I started getting involved with that, uh, helping with safety lead and their shadowing him. Becoming his assistant because I've always had a slight interest and passion for safety, and it's just grown from there. I've done my knee boss general. I'm currently underway with my NCRPO level six diploma. Nice, nice. Well, best of luck with that, mate. Well done. Thank you. Best of luck with that. And and how have you found your career in safety in general? Anyway, like. Disability aside, how have you found your career in safety so far? Well, to be honest, it's been a bit up and down because obviously I was working for previous employer up until COVID struck about March 2020. Yeah. And then from there, I was uh, made redundant, put on furlough, IF for business, June 2020. I managed to get a job for a few months working at Amazon as safety coordinator there which was really interesting okay totally different industry yeah we're housing and logistics industry and then november 2020 that's how i started with my current role now so i've been in my current role if my maths is correct about 14 months okay all right nice nice so a bit of a turbulent time through covid then that's unfortunate mate yeah that's unfortunate, but kind of settled now, hopefully. And 
and uh, the grass grass will hopefully be greener, <laughs> as they say. Um, so, how have you talked talk to me about talk to me about your like your experience in in working in quite quite heavy industry? Like your background's been quite heavy, fast paced industry. Like, how has that been with with your with your kind of disability? Have you found it welcoming? Have you found it challenging? Bit of both, um, peaks and troughs kind of thing. How, how, like, talk to me about that because I think it's. I think it's something like, like, well, here's an interesting example, actually. Like, so for example, I've done maternity risk assessments, right, for my entire career. Yeah. And if, if anyone said, can you do them? I'd have said, yep, fine. I can do them to a pretty good standard. And there is so much stuff that I would have never thought about until my wife fell pregnant and went through the journey of being a pregnant lady. And then I was like, oh my God, I never would have thought about that before. I never would have thought about, you know, how many times they have to go for a wee. Um, you know, I never would have thought about any of that stuff. So I think it's really important for us to be able to understand, um, you know, different opinions and different perceptions and different experiences. I think that's really powerful. Um, I think it'd be powerful for me and for the listener, but then also I think it might be quite, as we can kind of get into a conversation off the back of that, it might be quite helpful for yourself as well. Um, It's it's kind of building that context, isn't it? So how have you found working in heavy industry? Um, Have you found it kind of welcoming, challenging, bit of both? Well, when I started back in 2011, my confidence in the industry was nowhere near the ever it is now. Yeah. I found it more welcoming yeah. uh, than challenging. Obviously, I have had various challenges. Like, due to my condition, there's certain limitations I can't do. Like, I can't climb to the top of a fair stack on a cat ladder. That would be physically yeah. impossible for me. And so, if you ever certain other tasks uh, but I've worked to my strengths and everyone has been really accommodating our clients employers Good. so yes I've found it a lot more welcoming and one thing I've found in the industry there's been quite a bit of work done around disability awareness okay, and mental health awareness Yeah, but there's still however that more work to be done Mm. with regards to disability awareness especially uh, because I know from my own personal research I've done there's many disabled uh, people out there potentially listening to this podcast who could be be looking for work maybe been to university and got postgraduate's degree master's degree to a very, very high standard, yeah. but they feel they may not have a confidence yeah. about to thrive in a work environment. Definitely. And I just want to say this for any listeners uh, who may have a disability or anyone who may know anyone in that position, if they do have an opportunity to go in a work environment, just go for it. You will thrive. And it's one of the best things I've ever done getting into a heavy industry. Awesome. Awesome. And I think that's um that's really nice of you to say that. And I think you're you're a bit you're an inspiration, mate. You know, to be able to have 
gone through those challenges. I think, you know, when we talk about gender, when we talk about race and, you know, the same with disability as well, isn't it? It's like, if you don't see someone that you can relate to, you assume that you you don't belong there or you can't do that job. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't underestimate the power of you just coming on here uh, and talking because I, I am, no one's engaged with me actively and said, you know, I have a disability and I listen to this and I work in safety or whatever. Um, but maybe there is in there. And, and I think you would be an inspiration to them. So well done um, on that one. You've, you've mentioned confidence a few times. Um, like, like kind of talk to me about that. Like naturally, you, so you, you said you entered with, with a low level of confidence. Like how have you kind of, how did you deal with that? And then how have you built, built that confidence up? Is it just through true grit and, and determination or on exposure? Um, like how, how have you built that confidence up? Cause you're clearly quite confident now. Yeah. Just a bit of true grit and it's positive work environment and hitting certain milestones like uh, enabling me to believe in myself more like setting small day goals. Uh, then I have, I have a method values, which is small day goals. And then there's the, uh, medium-term goals where you want to see yourself in six months to 12 okay. uh, months' time. And then I have the, something I call the MAG goals, yeah. which is the massively ambitious goals, which is 12 to 24 months' time or longer. Awesome. So I, I use that kind of mind frame. And I've had a few achievements in the past, like I mentioned, I'm a level five MVQ qualified appointed person for lifting operations. And I was one of the first in the UK uh, to do it in a different method using AutoCAD and computer. In 2018, I received an award for my outstanding commitment to safety of the refinery. So yeah, that's a couple of my achievements so far. Awesome. So through achieving those those small, medium and large goals, you, you've gradually just kind of got a bit of a marginal gains approach to building your, your confidence up. And, and then from yeah. there, I suspect it just kind of snowballed and keep going and keep going and keep going. Yeah, definitely. And also working in the industry and getting to know people. Yeah, everyone has been so supportive and welcoming, oh. ranging from a... Yeah, Cleaners, uh, labourers, right through to the top CEOs of large multinational corporations. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. I've like I, I don't, I don't want to go into into kind of details because sometimes these can be difficult conversations. But when what would you give? ultimately some some people that are in kind of minority groups will ultimately at some point in their life come across like an adverse situation or a negative reaction or 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 just a person who does maybe doesn't understand it and reacts negatively um maybe you don't get a job because they don't think you can do the job because of that but you think you can do the job or something like that like you don't necessarily need to go in stories but i'd be i'd be keen to see if like you've got any advice or any examples or anything to somebody that was not necessarily just disabled, but overcoming those kind of those hurdles, like, cause it, 
I don't know if you ever have, but I imagine it that is probably a really hard thing to overcome because all of us go through stuff like that, don't we? Not in my professional life as such, uh, yeah, but in my good. personal life, I have experienced that. And my advice would be just to not react straight away to the situation. Just take the time to think and reflect and try and draw on the positives from a negative situation, if you can. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice. So you've been in safety now, what, a couple of years then? Uh, 2018, right? so yeah, coming up four years. Nice, nice. And aspirations within safety, what's, what's your big goal? So you, you've got, you must have, you, so you've got a 12 to 24 month goal. What's the next biggest one? Is it just a diploma or? Uh, so far, I'm doing my NCR diploma. Yeah. I'm aiming to get that passed before summer. Yeah. And then I'm going to go for my grad IOSH status, hoping to get that closed off and boxed off by the end of this year. Yeah. And then in a few years, just progressively, company, I mean, I, I'm advising every the minute, but I'm aiming to get to hate to see a manager level then. Good. See where it goes from there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And staying in heavy industry as well? Uh, staying in heavy industry, yes, because my background, um, uh, most of my professional experience and knowledge I've gained is in heavy industry. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, work my way up within safety and also push mental health awareness and disability awareness, which I'm extremely passionate about. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's kind of, let's get into that then. Like, let's start with that disability awareness piece and like, like what what do you want to see from that? Like what, what you, you talk about kind of raising disability awareness, like what are we not doing now that's, 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 that's not good enough? Uh, and what do you want to see more of? But what are you trying uh, to achieve? I wouldn't say companies and industries are not, doing it enough, but they probably don't have the knowledge and understanding. Uh, so what I'm trying to achieve and push is for more the people with either physical or maybe even mental disabilities to become more heavily involved within, not just heavy industry, but could be involved with renewables industry, nuclear industry. Yeah. Just, try and push that because I've done a lot of research and generally because disabled people have had to go through challenges since birth. Yeah. They tend, they have a good skill of being more adaptable to situations, if, right. if you know what I'm getting at. No, yeah, totally, totally. More resilient, like, yeah. definitely mentally. And, and then you can move on to that kind of, cognitive diversity piece so they've got different ways to think about solving problems whether it's yeah. gender diversity ethnicity uh disabilities and so on and so forth yeah definitely 100 so so when you when you talk about disability awareness and it it's more about it's more about i, I want to see more people that are disabled in the workplace working doing jobs in heavy industry or industries that they believe that they're not 
that, that they may believe they're not right for and employers might be maybe a bit maybe a bit fearful of like you know, like some, if you imagine like a construction site, for example, like I, I'd imagine if many people would be a bit worried about how can I manage that? Cause they're not, they're not accessible environments, are they? Yeah. Uh, so is that what you're just, just, you just want to see more of like conversations between those two organizations and communities of disabilities and so on. Is, is that right? Yeah, definitely. I just want to see more of that, more engagement. Yeah. Obviously, they're in the construction and petrochemical industry with timing. Yeah. I know there's quite a number of jobs that wouldn't be suitable for disabled people. Yeah. Like me as a primary example, I couldn't be a welder or a pipe fitter or scaffolder. Even if I passed all the theory, that would be theoretical knowledge, I could not physically do that due to my capabilities, my own capabilities, which I'm aware of. Yeah. But there's other jobs like office-based jobs that could be reassorted to disabled people. Yeah. If you know what I'm trying to say. Oh, I do. I do. And I feel like, Luke, as well, like, I feel like safety, it feels like a really good fit, like, for a lot. Like, granted, there are some industries that, that – you know, some disabilities might struggle out in the field, but ultimately like you're in heavy industry, for example, you know, there will be aspects of your role that will be out of the field. So if you're a kind of person that's got the personality that wants to be out in the field, you know, you wish you could be an engineer, but because of your disability, maybe you can't, like, I feel like safety, maybe even like a quality advisor or something like that is it's like a really nice in-between. Like you're not stuck in an office 24 hours doing a crappy job. Um, I actually remember my first safety job, a quality lab assistant who was like our tester. So he would go around the factory, collect samples, go back and do it. He had, had a disability. So had a um, kind of like a slight difficulty walking um, and slight difficulties with one, one of his hands. And, um, but, but ultimately, you know, he, I actually think he fucking hated his job, if I'm honest. Um, I don't think he liked his job at all. Um, but ultimately, it, you know, I'm, I used to try and say to him, because he, he had confidence issues a lot, and, and I used to talk to him a lot and, and say, like, you, you're, you're doing something that's really awesome. Like, you're in a manufacturing environment. You've got a reasonably cool job, in my opinion. Um, and many people with his disability might have thought, I'm not, I'm not, I can't work in manufacturing. Whereas actually you could. And I feel like safety and quality is maybe like a really good option there for, for people with disabilities. Yeah, definitely. I agree 100%. Uh, because safety, even if it's not heavy industry or manufacturing industry, there's many safety jobs out there from my own personal knowledge and research I've gained where you don't have to be climbing up steps or walking around doing it something refineries. You can just be based in one small part or even office based to certain safety roles, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's nice to, maybe, maybe the safety profession needs to do a bit more um, maybe targeted marketing to say that, you know, this could be a good solution for you if you believe that you're not 
right for that, but you would like to be in a in an environment that maybe as a machine operator and engineer you couldn't, but you could potentially be exposed to that and in, involved in that through working in safety. I think that's really interesting. I think that's a really interesting prospect. Yeah, definitely. And I've I don't know if you've uh, seen these, but I bet. I've got a lot of information direct from the HSC, and then I'll be HSC actively working on a project of a minute to try and make yeah. workplaces more accessible for yeah. disabled employees. Yeah, so I know there's beginning to become a bit more of a focus. And for any business leaders or corporation leaders, there's also something in the UK called the Disability Confident Employer Scheme, which is a scheme funded by the government, uh, which helps support people if they want to employ people with disabilities, whether it be mental disabilities or physical disabilities. And there is also a really good website with yells of resources as well, Called the Business Disability Forum. Okay, wow, that's awesome. We'll um, we'll take. I'm just taking some notes. We'll put the links to those in the um, in the description for people to check out as well. Disability. Sorry, what was the last one? The forum. Uh, business Disability business. Forum. Yeah, the Business Disability. That was it. Cool. I think you touched on something there that I think is really important. I think a lot of employers might lacking confidence and stuff like that. So for example, I, um, the reason why I, I think about that is because um, when I've had, so I've had so many conversations with customers and, and previous roles and employers and so on, where they're kind of scared to employ young workers because they feel like insurers are not going to let them. They're going to have to do loads of risk assessments and they won't be able to do anything. And, and it really kind of, I don't know, it upsets me in a way that, my profession is stopping young people get exposure to some cool jobs out there that they could do. Um, so we've kind of destroyed um, work experience in a way, which every safety professional listen to that. Me say that would say, no, we haven't. We can, we can have them. We've just got to, we just got to manage that risk. Um, and that's so true. And that's what many of us try to do, but there is a perception um, from maybe employers, uh, particularly of small businesses, I would think, that would like to do that stuff, would like to be a bit more socially and communally responsible and recruit young people, recruit disabled people and do and, and, and you know, be, be a bit more moral and ethical, but ultimately are a bit afraid to do it. Um, so you kind of touch on it there with the, the mention of the confidence employment scheme. Like, I think that is something that I think we need to tackle. I don't know what, if you've got any thoughts on that. No, definitely. Yeah, 100% agree. I, I know big organisations out there, big major powerful organisations like multinational organisations have their own inclusion and diversity either director or management team. But definitely SMEs in industry not just in my industry, but in our industries, maybe one have access to that due to a lack of 
organizational capabilities. So yeah, if I have awareness of the different schemes and help and resources out there, mm -hmm. it will not just be of benefit to the employees who are recruiting, but it will also bring benefits to the employers and businesses as well. Yeah. So it's a win-win situation for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was just trying to, as you were saying that, I was desperately trying to find that. I used to work with a glazing company that, um, no, they weren't glazing, they were glass processing. So they would make windows um, and they proactively recruited um, disabled people proactively. So the majority of their workforce either had a mental or a physical or both um, disability. And and I was used to they I always used to use them as an example to anyone that turned around and said, Oh, we can't have a young worker or can't have a disabled worker. I'm like one one really successful um glass processing company does it proactively. And I think that touches on the thing that you just touched on there and, and we mentioned earlier is that cognitive diversity is it's it's having diversity within your workforce is not only a nice thing to do it's not only the right thing to do um it's not only moral and ethical it's beneficial to have people with different ideas that have gone through different challenges have different ways of, pro of, of solving problems and also you might be able to if i'm doing like a an access assessment for example on a building you would think of things that i would never have thought of because i've always been quite able in, in my in my life so you look at things differently. Like I think when I lost my hearing or half of my hearing to be well, actually that's not even precise, but I'm hard of hearing, not deaf, deaf, if that makes sense is what I'm trying to say. Um, the world was different overnight, like literally overnight. Like I would, well, my hearing has been gradually lost, but like when I, when it got really bad, it was really quick. And, and, and I remember going out to a, a like, a, I think we went to a, casino and the whole night couldn't understand word anyone was saying not a word all i could hear was that's all i could hear and then when people were talking it was just like and i was like holy shit have i literally just lost my hearing um i went to the doctors got a test and i'd lost like over 40 percent in both ears and um and i could and it was like over pitches basically so i'd lost the high pitches so higher pitch voices I really struggle with uh, in a room with background noise, really struggle. Um, anything like that. Is there any deviation to a perfect hearing? I'll, I will start to struggle. And literally overnight, the, my eyes were open to like how inaccessible the world is just for those of us that are hard of hearing. And I think about my podcast, like you can listen to this if you were, if you were deaf, unless you had, you know, mechanical intervention. Um, um, so we, we try, I mean, it's hard on YouTube to do, it's a lot of work to get the subtitles on YouTube. Um, you can get them automatically now, thank God. But when we started, we used to try and type up every single word, script everything so that we could be accommodating to those that, that are hard of hearing, but it was really hard. Now there are digital solutions, which is nice. So I think it's interesting when we, get exposure to that or we invite someone into the conversation like yourself that's had exposure to that they look at things differently to how people without that disability would look at it yeah definitely i 100 percent agree i 
obviously, I can't tell the others, so I have to use staircases and that, which does hinder me a bit in the workplace yeah. and also out of work as well. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, I found ways and means of overcoming that. Yeah. So let's let's have a let's we're we're kind of about halfway ish. So let let's maybe shift over into that mental health side of things. So you said the the other stuff that you're trying to focus on now is in addition to your disability awareness is mental health awareness. And and we've we've spoke touched on a couple of times about you uh, you you mentioned earlier about you know disabled people are probably going through a lot more challenges and and will be essentially maybe not a lot more, but you know what I mean? Like they've gone through challenges and they will be more resilient um, or likely to be quite resilient. Um, Have you found, like, even when I was asking you about how you deal with, how you deal with those challenges situations, your response is very, like, it's not emotional reaction. Like you said, don't react, like just, just let it be and just try and learn from it. Like that's a really emotionally mature response. Um, and it's, I suspect that just got forced on you. Like, I suspect you'd really just had to build that over the years, did you? Yeah, just from experience, the hard way as it is. Because yeah. obviously, I suffered with for me many of during my teenage years from 13 to 16, I had anxiety and depression. Okay. And I obviously, growing up with a disability, knowing I was different to everyone else. And I had a bit of a shit time during my school years, but I'm not going to that. Mm. But obviously, I was worried and concerned about the future, about whether I'd be able to cope, whether I'd be good enough. At times, I was in a really dark place where I just used to hate myself and wish things were different. Yeah. But over time, I got better support from family and friends. Was helped me for that time. Mm. How, how important did you find those support networks that you had? Support networks are absolutely crucially important. They're absolutely crucial. You can have your, self, your own self-help and coping strategies, but sometimes you just need that cuddle or arm around you, whether it be your friend, partner, uh, a uh, spouse, uh, could be a work colleague, it could be a work manager or a gaffer, it yeah. could even be a hairdresser yeah. or someone in the pub, like a barmaid or someone in the pub who just talked to, to on the old, and that helps you, but it could also help them to open up too. So it's like it has the potential to be a two-way benefit system, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Did you did you have support next networks of people outside of family that maybe are in that work environment as well, or or maybe even like um a support environment of people that are similar to you that could relate to maybe your challenges, did, or, or or was that lacking? In my younger years, that was lacking. I was seeing now I'm older, thanks to the power and development of social media such as Facebook, Twitter and all that, I do have access to support networks for people with the same condition as me. I've 
part of a group and I'm also a trustee for one of the leading charities as well in the UK. So I became a trustee for that in 2020. So that's another one of my other achievements. But yeah, family mainly and then just friends who I've grown up with over the years. Yeah. So I'm still fortunate enough to call my friends now. Nice. That's lovely, mate. That's really nice. And that's the the like the beautiful side of the internet, isn't it? Like you, yeah. your your doors are open to the world and you can now build all these little mini cultures and communities. You know, I, I was literally talking this morning, every Saturday morning, I have a meeting with Colin, which me and Colin co-founded Project Miletium. And when we were talking about the mental health benefits of just having a community of safety professionals that we can talk to twice a week, um, and just vent or give support or ask for support, whatever need, what it needs to be, or just chat about a current subject or whatever. Like, and over the Christmas period, I really like the show Queer Eye, right? My wife introduced it, introduced it to me years ago. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of, well, it's four blokes and one non-binary um, person, all gay, all gay. And um, they basically go and find, uh, people they get that have been nominated and they help them. They help them with style, with psychological stuff, which they they call culture. Um, they help them with like their relationships and stuff with people. Um, the building, the house, whatever. And anyway, there was a couple of others, <laughs> and um, there was a couple one. There was one where this lady was. Um, she was a business owner, and she she was an Asian specialist uh, dessert restaurant in america and um during covid she'd received like racial attacks because donald trump called it the china flu or whatever he called it um so they they received vandalism to the property and everything i mean not like being a new business through covid was hard enough um and she she just said you know the one thing is I'm, i'm lonely she said i've got my friends and i've got my family but none of them run a business so she said, I'm, I don't have anyone that knows the challenges that I'm going through. And it's lonely. Um, and I was sitting there and I was like, wow, that's kind of how I felt as a safety professional before I started the podcast. I was lonely. Like I, I didn't know any other safety professional really. Um, and nobody understood what I did. And I was just so lonely. And I started the podcast and my world kind of opened up and I got, you know, more and more communities. And now I look at PM and I think that's exactly what that is. It's just a community of people. And I think that's just a beautiful side of the internet. What we can now do is just have a little mini family that can help us out that are not our family. And that's sometimes a good thing as well, because sometimes you don't want to talk to your family, do you? Sometimes you need to talk to somebody else. Like your family are always there for you, but sometimes it needs to be someone else as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. Obviously, your family is there, but having people in the same situation as you, like as you touched on safety professionals, or uh, even Richard can relate to some a bit of work I've been doing in the mental health industry. Just having people in the same industry as you that you can talk to and relate to about mm. problems in the understand the various issues and problems and maybe problems outside of work as well yeah. it's 100 percent critical and crucial mm. yeah 
Because sometimes you can you can feel like you're the only one experiencing them problems. Like we had a PM call the other day and we've got a couple of members who are in some really like top end jobs in top end employers, like big known brands. And they're like the head of safety or the director of safety. Right. So we've all kind of got like job envy, right. Of them. One of them in particular is the the head of safety for a formula one team. Right. So you're like, wow, what a job. And you, you kind of going through this stuff and, and then, when you hear that these people in these really top end jobs, you know, they come into the PM calls and we had one last Wednesday and this person who was, who's in one of these top end, like dream jobs. And they're like having a problem and they communicate the problem to the team. And we all, when, when people do that, it, so there's an option with our calls um, that you can, we either talk about a random topic or something that's popped up on LinkedIn, but sometimes someone might come in and say, I need some help with something particular. So we flip into like something different. We go into like a coaching call is kind of what we call it. Um, so the person will tell the story to tell what the problem is. And then we're only allowed to ask questions for about 10, 15 minutes to get a better understanding of the problem yeah. before we all go into solution mode. Um, so this, this person was, was talking about a challenge. I and mean, I'm like, man, this is normal problems. Like these are, this is shit I've experienced. Like just some sh- person where we've had a personality clash or a department clash and it's so refreshing to see and hear people that you might kind of have job envy over or you might you might have them on a pedestal and be like I wish I had that job or I wish somebody believed in me enough to do that job and now, I bet they haven't got the problems like this. You think their world is perfect, don't you? You think, well, I wish I could do that. And I bet they're all just happy in that. But actually, they've got the same problems as you. And, and it's so good to have those networks where you can have those safe conversations yeah. and find out, oh, shit, they're the same as me. And they're struggling too sometimes. And that's, I found it. When we got a private LinkedIn group as well. And one person from our community put a post on LinkedIn to about that call and said that call was a tonic and I thought that was just a great way to describe it it was like a tonic like for all of us that don't have those amazing jobs we were like wow you're still got the same problems we have and we can help you with that and it was just lovely so yeah the power of connection and communities for me is just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal yeah, 100% agree. Now I'm at a hold about what job to do. I look be the CEO of a top multinational global corporation. But on the other hand, it could be someone who has a small town office and they could be experiencing exactly the same issues. Obviously, maybe not necessarily the same scale as such, but they could be experiencing exactly the same issues and we could potentially relate to each other if I could just connect to each other, which the power of the internet and various different groups on Facebook and other social media platforms is just fantastic. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, it is just one of my favorite things if I'm honest I mean I wouldn't be able to do this without the internet so you know, we've, we've only interviewed one guest face to face everything else has been over the internet which is just phenomenal 
absolutely yeah. phenomenal. So outside of support groups, what what kind of other stuff are you doing to try and raise raise awareness with? Like, what are you? If you're trying to raise awareness for mental health. Like, how how are you doing that? What are you talking about? Well, I've created my own presentation, which is called Thinking Differently, which goes into detail about my own personal experiences growing up. And then it also speaks about mental health awareness in the construction industry in general. Bit of a background of how I got into that. For my previous employer, did a fair bit of work as part of a steering team to create a national partnership with a national charity called Mates in Mind. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yep. Yeah, Mates in Mind, as you know, are doing fantastic work around raising mental health awareness in the industry. Then from there, I received further training, delivered start the conversation sessions, did a few on P66 Sunbury Refinery. Some of the P66 Sunbury Refinery management got rid of it, heard how well I've been doing from various NT attendees and that. They called me into a meeting. They asked me what they have every year. They have something called the Humber Refinery Safety where they have various different topics on speakers on yells of different agendas like mental health, working at height, confined space, anything you can think of. Yeah. The safety week. And one of the topics was inclusion, diversity and mental health awareness. So from there, I developed my own thinking differently presentation. Over three days, I delivered it to 200 people, which I'm going to be honest, I shit myself. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Because the first two presentations were to an audience of 50 people, which are bad enough. I mean, I delivered toolbox talks before on jobs. Yeah. And that was to like a maximum of 20 people, so going up to 50 people. And then the final day, it was to 100 people in the main hall of the refinery. Wow. And that did uh, take my breath away a bit. But from there, David, it was that much of a success. I ended up going down to a corporate headquarters down in London, delivering it there at the European headquarters. From there, for, for my previous employer, I went around various sites in the northeast, northwest, and down in Testerfield and that, delivering it further. And something that stuck with me during one of the presentations, which just reinforces how much work this needs to be done. After one of the presentations, one of the belts her attendant came up to me afterwards and said, I've worked in this industry for various different firms and sites for more than 40 years, and this is the first time I've ever received a mental health presentation, and it was fantastic. Thank you for that. Well done. 
Now that just demonstrates, obviously, as the Elzerich being done by the HSC, different organizations, the HSC of the Working Minds campaign. And I've recently delivered a couple more to Women's Institute to its students there. The feedback I received from that was absolutely fantastic. And also at various sites for me, current employer as well, which I'm looking to build on so in 2022. Wow. And for a guy that struggled with confidence, could you have ever imagined that you were going to be doing that? Like when you were a young man and you were you were struggling with confidence, going for a really bad place, wondering whether there was a place for you in the world. And look at you now, you know, you're an inspiration, mate. You're an absolute inspiration. Well done. Thank you for that. Finish, I don't see myself as an inspiration as such. I just see myself as like normal, even though uh, I can't define normal. I don't believe anyone can define normal as such. No such thing as normal. There is no such thing as a normal person. No. But yeah, I'm 31, I turn 32 in August. It's when they said to me, 77 years ago, I'll be doing what I am doing now. Yeah. And if you've been out, you're taking a piss. I would have <laughs> never believed them. Yeah. yeah, fuck off. No way am I yeah. be doing that. <laughs> no. That's amazing, mate. That's amazing. So when you're when you're doing that stuff, what what are you What's your? What do you want, like the audience, to take away from from that? When you're talking about the thinking differently stuff, you're communicate. You're trying to raise awareness. Like, what are your kind of key messages? What What do you think people need to hear more? Uh, just key messages. Key messages are that now my whole array of from what the background is, what your societal status is. There could be a high salary managing director. There could be a scaffolder, but from research I've done, one in four people suffer from mental health issues each year. No one is immune to mental health issues, and many of us uh, suffer, and maybe potentially never even speak about it. So it's mm. just about getting people and organisations to have that start a conversation, talk, and from my presentations, if I can just help one person who attends, or maybe someone for an attendee, then the presentation for me has been a massive, massive success. Mm, well done. Well done. That's amazing, mate. I think um, it... <sighs> It is something that I think so many people find different, and 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 I and I still find it difficult now. Is just having that, having those conversations. I think it's really easier easy for us to sit here and say, you know, it's okay to say you're not okay and and, and stuff like that. But it's it's actually really hard to say I'm not okay. Like it's really hard, and. And I think the more and more we have these conversations, and and I think the more and more. I think the more and more people we see, you know, like like that lady in the, in the Olympics, like she may have had a bit of backlash, but like, you know, that's just the media. That's what they do. But ultimately, I think there was a lot of support for that young. Um, I think she was American uh, gymnast that 
just said, you know, I, I need to go home. Like my mental health's not in the right place for me to do this right now. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go home. I think the world needs to see more people that are that resilient or, or prioritizing their own mental health over that physical, I don't know, that social and physical kind of admiration that met many of us have you use as our main driver for so long. I think the more and more we see people say, I'm not okay. Mm. I think the more, the easier it becomes to say, I'm not okay. And then we can start having those conversations. Yeah, definitely. I will say a lot of work has been done, not just in heavy industry, but for society always, as a whole, these past couple of years. But there's still far too much of a stigma attached. So there's, Yells of blokes and even women out, potentially even women out there, will see opening up about mental health. Mm. I mean, emotional is a sign of weakness, and that you'll need yeah, to yeah. man up and get on with it. Yeah. So I've recently been doing some research. Chartered Institute of Building have done a research. Uh, 2019, pre pandemic. Uh, 26% of employees surveyed had suicidal thoughts in one year. So that's more than a quarter of employees. And I've just got to think with the effects of the pandemic, it's had an effect on work, in the media, the constant media uh, engagement. It's just exacerbated. I mean, psychological effect of the coronavirus pandemic is going to be felt for a very long time, I think. Yeah. How, like, important, like, coming back to a point about, like, how difficult this is and how, like, we we know, like, the data is there to tell, like, and you've just kind of alluded to it, like, there is, there is a high percentage that somebody you know, work with, whatever, is experiencing some some challenging times at some point in your relationship with them. And we all know how hard it is to say I'm I'm not okay and how hard it is for that person to come forward. And I think that's where it comes into this point about what can an employer do? Like that it if you were to if you were to kind of go to like a sales class, right? A car salesman would would have the primary aim to remove all barriers to the sale. So remove as many things that you might find as a negative from that process of sales. So anything that's wrong with the car, hide it, remove it from the conversation, avoid it, whatever, right? Process and paperwork that make it really hard to, to do the process, to, to get the sale across the line, remove it, reduce it, whatever, right? I think that same applies to many things that we do in safety, but particularly getting people to talk, like make it really fucking easy in in actual actual fact, create the opportunities and the relationships in which you are going to them and saying, Hey, Luke, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. All right. No, but what's all right look like, you know, what's Mm. what do you mean? I'm all right. Like how, how, how are you doing? Like really, how are you doing? And don't accept like I'm all right. I'm not talking about doing that all the time. Otherwise, you'd never get from the car park to the fucking desk. But you know, if you build relationships with these people, your employees, your teammates, your colleagues, you might be able to spot 
those little those little idiosyncrasies that are slightly different and you're like hmm Luke's a bit different today actually are you all right Luke and I think it's really important to create the opportunities isn't it and to be able to create those opportunities to be able to spot those opportunities yeah definitely as you're 100% what we all do to there when you work with someone day in day out you do build a good work relationship with them they become your work friends and work family as such and it's really easy to spot just little details this is something that I actually cover in some of the scout conversation training I do there's an exercise I do so in one of the training sessions I do where I ask everyone in in the room uh, to create a mental picture in their mind of someone when they're at work. It could be their manager, it could be their work colleague, or it could be a direct report to them in a supervisory or management role. So I'll get them to create a profile of that picture in their mind, think about that for 30 seconds a minute or so, and then moving on from that, I ask them if they would be able to spot <coughs> If there's any changes in that person that may indicate there's something wrong. Yeah. And then from there, I challenge them further to ask them, okay, there's something wrong with this person. What are you going to do about it? How are you potentially going to help them? Mm. Yeah. How do you um how do you kind of what would be your advice to anyone that like finds it maybe awkward for to have to approach that conversation. So I'm like, I've spotted that Luke's not, not right. Um, and I'm like, Luke, you're right. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Are you sure you're right? Yeah, I'm fine, mate. Leave me alone. Yeah. And they just don't want to talk or, 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 or that might, that's just one example. There are many other examples where it could be really kind of socially difficult for the person that's trying to do the right thing. Um, uh, to work out what is the right thing without overstepping boundaries because particularly in Britain I find like we're all like I remember my grandma being like you know don't don't tell anyone about your problems like don't air your dirty laundry like that British stiff upper lip it's still ingrained in us like what would be your kind of advice to someone that was struggling with knowing how far to go with with something like someone that's struggling. Well, the only advice I can give from uh, some mental first aid training that I undertook in my younger years, I'm actually doing a mental first aid online refresher on Thursday, so I'm actually really looking forward to that. But my advice would be to keep it simple. Don't be overbearing. Just ask them if they are okay and just show them an act of kindness and just let them know that you're there if they want to talk to you eventually. You're 100% in the correct side. Some people don't want to open up and are difficult to open up, but just by letting them know eventually that you are there, uh, they will eventually open up to you. Yeah. Yeah, so just keep, just keep, keep saying, I'm here if you need me. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that, that could be quite mentally trying on the person. 
that that's doing that as well. Like saying, you know, constantly you got a really close friend with someone, but constantly just being the person. Like I I have a I have a friend that that it severely struggles with his mental health, like severely struggles with his mental health. Um, and, and it's actually really hard on my mental health mm. to continually be there for that person and, and be with the, cause they're completely different from, from what they used to be. Um, and, and I think we, I think it's, it's, it's okay. I'm kind of maybe saying to myself and many others, like it's, it's a, you like keep going with that person that, that is struggling, but not opening up to you, but ultimately don't be afraid to kind of say, actually, this is really hard for me as well. I don't know if that, what your thoughts on that. That's just my own personal experience is that I found it really hard sometimes with someone that maybe doesn't open up or, or, or even someone that does open up, but like, opens up massively and it's like shit this is really bad and now i don't know what to do with it it's really challenging when you've got your own lives and your own challenges to deal with as well now i 100 uh 100% agree and understand what they're getting at have you heard of a theory called a stress container or stress bucket yes i have heard of bucket the stress bucket yep yeah, yeah you fill it up and your good night's sleep and it'll reduce a little bit and exercise it'll reduce a little bit and you mindfulness will help you reduce it. Yeah. But as you go through the day, it fills up. Yeah. Yeah, each one of us has our own stress bucket, our stress container. And it can be each one, every single one of us has different sizes. Yeah. Like mine could be a lot smaller. Or a lot bigger than yours, depending on what the stresses are. Yeah. But if, if like from supporting people, you need to unload as such. So you need to have your own self-help and coping strategies to unload. It could be meditation, could be listening to music, could be going for work. Whatever you find helps improve your mode and helps you to unload from potential stressful or traumatic situations please use that because if you picture picture of a bucket in your head for a minute imagine there's a tap at the bottom and you don't have no self-help coping strategies the bucket fills up and fills up and you uh, just all of a sudden, everything gets too much. Financial stresses, work stress, personal issues, and you could potentially risk a scenario, have a breakdown or something similar. Mm. But if you have a tap that can turn on at the bottom of such, using self-help and coping strategies, you can help to empty that bucket mm. and keep it at a manageable and sustainable level. Yeah. I've never heard it explained like that with the tap at the bottom, actually. I'm just kind of drawing it now to remind myself. Uh, um, but it's, um, I think I've never, heard, I've never, yeah, I never thought of it like having a tap at the bottom as well. And that's really interesting because we've constantly got the tap at the top, um, but like, where's our tap at the bottom? Yeah. Great point, Luke. Thank you for that. Yeah, because the tap at the Top is like all our different stressors, work, family stressors, health stressors, 
financial stresses. So all the waters going into the bucket. But if you don't have a top at the bottom for self-help coping strategies, support networks, there's no way you're better on the that bucket. Mm. Yeah, and that's such a good point. Such a good point. I've had a guy on here called, who's referred to the bucket before, but he didn't. He didn't call it like a tap at the bottom. But yeah, that's a. But he did kind of talk about that, the stuff that we could do to um, the stuff that we could do to reduce the bucket. Well, reduce the water in the bucket. Stop yeah. over, overflowing. Wow. Well, Luke, thank you very much. Um, we've been going for just over an hour, mate. So conscious that your Saturday is precious and my Saturday is precious and probably want to get on the beers soon. So, wow. um, <laughs> so thank you very much for that. Um, do you want to, is there anything you want to give a shout out to any kind of work or charities and stuff that you're doing? You want to give a little bit of a shout out to, and we're happy to put links and stuff in the description. Now I just want to give a shout out to three different organisations. Obviously, Andrew Fabricom, who I currently work with, uh, makes in mind uh, the charity. I want to give a shout-out to them. And I also want to give a shout-out to the Afro-Bripolsis Group, the charity that I'm a trustee of. And a final shout-out to all the listeners and viewers. Mm. And if any of this helps you or if you want to make further contact with me, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm just about to ask you that. How do people get hold of you? So well done for that. Thank you very much for your time, Luke, on a Saturday as well. I really appreciate you giving up your time uh, to come on and talk to us and, and give us an insight into, into your world and, and some advice as well for all of us. Um, we've covered a hell of a lot, actually, um, in this chat. So thank you very much, Luke. I've really, really appreciated that. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you to you as well, James, for having me on. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the chat. Oh, good. Okay, peeps. Hope you enjoyed that. Great conversation with, um, with Luke. I mean, what an amazing guy that he's kind of bringing himself to the profession and then also going, do you know what? I've got a job, but I'm also going to do all this work on mental health. I just really nice guy. Good conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of it. Um, don't forget to check out Paradigm Human Performance's website. Don't forget to check out uh, Project Meletium. Don't forget to check out riskfluentlimited.com and don't forget to come and follow me on all the socials but primarily LinkedIn because that's where I get to spend most of my time um, and that's where I'm most active. So if you want to chat, hit me up on LinkedIn. My name's James McPherson. It's been nice talking to you. I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.